0: Bandwidth for JS Party is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. All right, we got a fun thing happening here. A new show, JS Party. Party time. It's a party every day. It's a party every Friday. It's, it's gonna be a party every Friday. Yes. With JavaScript. See, so you're hearing Jared <laughs> Santo and Michael Rogers. Jared Santo, managing editor, and Michael Rogers, host of RFC now. Party. Welcome. Here we are. So we thought we'd do this. I mean, launching a new show, it's cool to have a few in the in the feed already. So if you just come to this brand new, you may have listened to it live. We may be several months down the road, and you come back and you're listening to episode one for the first time, and you want to know who's behind this thing. So we thought, well, it'd be kind of cool to kind of rewind a little bit and uh, Jared and I can kind of sit down and talk with the host behind this. We'll have a conversation with Michael Rogers, we'll have a conversation with Alex Sexton. Have a conversation with Rachel White and kind of get to know their backstories, their ideas, plans and fun things for this podcast. So, Michael, maybe the easiest way is to help people understand who you are, maybe your credentials. What uh, people come to the show, what should they know about you?
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, I won't get into the, the whole thing because that'd take too long. But um, I guess I'll, I'll just get into my history of the web. So I didn't really start writing a lot of JavaScript and working web stuff uh, until I worked at Mozilla and started working on the platform. So in this really weird way. But honestly, this is kind of how my whole career has <laughs> gone. Uh, I learned it from the bottom up rather than than from you know the front. So I didn't start writing websites and then you know slowly you know work my way down the stack. I actually started by tearing apart the web platform and figuring out like how to do automated testing of like the back and forward button and digging into the, the guts of, of the Mozilla platform. Um, and that was kind of how I came to JavaScript into the web platform uh, and really kind of fell in love with it. And then was pretty primed uh, to be really into Node.js when, <laughs> when Node.js came out as well. Um, one, because, you know, I have like a, a networking background. Um, and so I, I really love the the non-blocking aspects of it. I loved how close I felt to the network layer with with it. Um, but also it was just so nice to be working with JavaScript, you know, in the web platform and uh, on the back end. And when this was like the first week of Node being released that, that I got really into it, I, I literally told know, people at Mozilla that I was working for and writing, you know, predominantly Python and JavaScript that I was no longer going to write Python anymore. Um, you were that, uh, that bullet on <laughs> it, huh? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I think that, so first of all, I, I had spent maybe four years working on a project called Windmill, which was like, a it was very similar to Selenium, except we, we had figured out how to do a lot of cross-domain stuff before they did. Um, and rather than being in a privileged environment, um, I wrote this really insane HTTP proxy that basically, um, you know, rewrote everything to look like it was all coming from the same domain even when you were bouncing around different domains so you wouldn't violate the security policy Um, and you know to get the test going faster I had been optimizing this HTTP proxy for about four years so you know I was doing everything that you could do to make something fast in python uh, to make it killable when you hit control c as well you know i had alternative versions of most of the standard library i was digging into the guts of you know how you do iterative um, responses you know what we now call streams but you know, what then was kind of like a generator type thing in Python. Um, I, I was re- li- really doing everything you could possibly do at both the Python um, level and also um, at the HTTP protocol level. Um, so, you know, I was I was parallelizing a lot more of the request than you would normally do. I was, I was it had a lot in there <laughs> to make that that.
2: So were you using Python like like twisted and the evented tools so that it was
1: something we're you using those things no. and then you're like, oh, oh. So- no, you're. So I had used Twisted. So I I worked for the Open Source Applications Foundation uh, on a project called Chandler, um, and that was using Twisted. Um, And there was an early version of Winmo where I tried to use Twisted. But in that environment, it wasn't that big of a win compared to just Mm -hmm. using uh, WSGI with a generator and getting... Iterative responses that way. There wasn't gotcha. quite enough parallelization going on with you know one test browser to really justify all of the overhead of Twisted, um, mm. so it didn't make it much faster. But you you did need to iteratively return the responses so that things would start rendering right when you got data. Yeah, but it, it, I, yeah, I was I was familiar with that. Um, in in the Mozilla stuff that I was using, I was also using Async Core, which is another uh, non-blocking library. Not like not as bulky as Twisted, but also much buggier than Twisted. Um, and it comes with the standard library, so you know it's terrible. Um, so, <laughs> so, uh, so I mean, yeah i i had I had done all the things that you can do to make Python programs fast. Uh, wow. <laughs> um, and uh, so that when Node first came out, um. The weekend right after Jan Lernhardt said, has anybody written an HTTP proxy in this thing? And I was like, oh, like that node thing looked cool. Uh, I wanted to learn it. It's the weekend. Like, why don't I write an HTTP proxy? I know how to do that. <laughs> I definitely know how to do that. Um, and this was, you know, when Node still had like this awful promisey thing that, that didn't look anything like promises today. It was really bad. Um, it didn't really have streams yet streamed data but all of the interfaces had different apis so you couldn't just plug them together you couldn't pipe uh, there was no pump i actually wrote pump later <laughs> um so which was the precursor to to stream pipe um yeah it's it it, it, w- it was not that great but it was still like less than 80 lines of code when it, so i got this proxy up when i ran it I was really kind of blown away. First of all, when I hit control C, it would just die every time. Like you have no idea after writing Python, after writing Python for like five years every day, writing a program and hitting control C and having it consistently end, I can't describe to you how great it feels, like how, how, how warm in your tummy you get when that happens. So that was, that was, that was one thing. And two, it was, it was faster than that Python proxy that I'd written. And I hadn't, I knew all the things that I could do to this to continue optimizing at the protocol level, but it was already just way faster. Um, And so at that point, like for the things that I was doing Python, like that I was using Python for, it was just so clear that this was a better way to do that. And that this had a lot more longevity. I mean, this is just starting out and it's already better. Like if I can get involved right now, I can, you know, make sure that it, you know, stays better, um, and and also I think that it, when I first got involved in the community and started talking with with Ryan and all of these kind of early people, um, a lot of my frustrations with the the Python community, and I, and I think that this was probably the same among a bunch of communities, but all of these languages that had kind of. Uh, hit a lot of growth and traction and gotten a lot of new developers when when Moore's law was in really obvious effect, where you know the processor speed was doubling every year. We weren't going multi-core yet. We weren't cutting things up into docker images yet. Um, why would you sit down and optimize something and make it efficient when you know you're going to squeeze out twenty five percent and computers are going to get twice as fast in a year? Um, so there really wasn't this view, there wasn't a very strong focus on, you know, being very good at parallelization, like actually parallelizing IO tasks. So not thinking about, um, threads and stuff like that. So anyway, the, it was I really felt like Python, the core community wasn't listening to what people actually needed to do with it. Um, and when I started to get involved in node, there was a huge focus on well what are people doing with it? What do we need to do to enable this big community? How do we keep um, the core really small and enable a ton of innovation on top of it so that you know we don't have to hold anybody back? So everybody kind of had, you know, their head on straight um, in the early days, um, and and I think that it was also I felt like it was a very good opportunity for me. Um, I mean, I had, at that point I'd been working in open source nonprofits for four years straight. Um, I was one of the first people to try and get people using GitHub inside of Mozilla. I I had a lot of thoughts about building community, about how to you know. Grow and gain a lot of traction in an ecosystem, and it was a really good place to do that work. Right? It's a brand new language, um, with a with a BDFL that really does not want to maintain a giant standard library, so he's more than willing to create a great ecosystem instead. Um, it, it was a good place to be. So,
2: yeah, I mean, you had a you're coming from a scenario where you're you're, you know, a user of Python, which is a, an established large language with a with a huge ecosystem around it where mm-hmm. you probably wouldn't have as much of a voice here is node and this new, you know, like you said, a brand new scenario where you all of a sudden your voice can be heard and your desires yeah. could be uh, expressed. I mean, that's probably, probably very, but you can have some impact,
1: you know? Right. So yeah. Thinks. Yeah. And, and I mean, it was, it was true then, and it's still true now that it is so much easier to um, make change, especially a huge change in something new than, r- you know steering an old ship in, in a new direction like right. reforming projects is considerably harder than starting new ones i mean even the reforms that have been made you know to the node.js projects you know that have been involved in getting into the foundation and all of that a big part of that and one of the reasons why that was actually easier um was that we we literally forked it and we had a lot of kind of greenfield opportunities to to really shift things into another direction and prove that they worked before we merged all of that back into the project yeah. so
2: yeah so just uh, as we fast forward. So speaking of the fork, so IOJS, yeah. you know, the fork was actually where we met you, or at least I don't know, Adam, if you knew Michael beforehand, but that's when I met you was when we interviewed you on the changelog about IOJS and the forking mm-hmm. at that time, and then we got you back on to talk about the merging and the the the, the, <laughs> surpri- the surprise where the you know the community actually made it through and it was like stronger for it. Take us where you are now in terms of your relationship with Node as a project and what you're doing in your day-to-day life and your work.
1: Yeah, so um, I was one of many people uh, leading the, the IOJS effort in the fork. Um, I, I led an effort to, you know, get everything merged into the foundation as well. Um, because of my work doing that, uh, the Linux Foundation really wanted somebody to kind of take the reins and lead the, the foundation in the early days um, with a focus on making sure that the the merge completed and that everything you know remained stable and that i mean there, there's a lot of people with really strong opinions all coming together now and trying to work together um mm-hmm. they really wanted to make sure that everything went smoothly so um i was hired to to lead the foundation and to make sure that all that stuff kind of went well it, it did go really well and and uh, i'm still with the node.js foundation and now though um now that that's really stable now i mean from the time that we merged, the the core communities, I think, probably quadrupled in size. Um, mm. It's, yeah, I mean, there there's so many more contributors. so we've we've had to continue to scale how that community works. Um, and I've been in, involved in that as well, but it's, it's certainly not in danger of, you know, falling apart or collapsing, <laughs> you know, the, right. the way that people were may, may have been concerned uh, yeah. in the earlier days, but yeah, yeah. So a lot, uh, you know, my role is much more administrative now. There's a lot of work um, too
0: that you put in. I remember when we first met you around the IOJS timeframe and, and like just side chats, we had a couple emails. We talked to Scott Hammond from Joyant. I got some advice from you on how to best navigate that conversation. And, I just remember thinking like how busy you were. And I think you were at DigitalOcean at the time and you were transitioning to like different roles. And I was just thinking like, you do this for the community in your spare time. I couldn't believe just how much work like that open source would put out, like people like you would put out into these communities, important communities outside of your day to day. I've got to ship something.
1: I, I was just astounded by it. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a really crazy time. I think one of the reasons why I was working it so hard was that there weren't a lot of people that had history in the community that everyone that needed to be involved in the conversation would still speak to. Um, I think that you know a lot of what you didn't see on the surface was that it took a long time for things to get into the kind of bad state that they were in. And it wasn't just, you know, hey, everybody is mad at Joanne. It, you know, a lot of people started to also get upset with themselves. You know, once there's conflict at all around yeah. something, everybody will start to conflict with each other. Um And I had I'd stayed out of daily core development as of like I think like 2012 or something was the last time that I put code in and focused a lot more on the ecosystem. Um, But because I had been there early, I had a lot of relationships with all those people Um, because I'd continued to do, you know, community conferences and a lot of general community work, um, you know, people mostly liked me i think and or at Mm. least would still speak to me um and so (laughs) i i I felt like i was one of the only people in a position to bring everybody to the table and get everybody on the same page um
0: there's a lot of work i I remember seeing all the issues on the iogs org and just uh, the mm -hmm. technical steering committee conversations documents being created on how the uh governance should be formed and obviously that made you you know fast forward to you know Six months ago, when we started request for commits, it made you a great uh you know co-host with Nadia Ekball and that mm-hmm. show and just a lot of rich history that I think it's even been said that I think in the recent behind the scenes of the ending of the first season of request for commits, where it was like your stories from the battlefield like you come from a uh been there, done that, been in the war, came out uh, <laughs> slightly scathed a Happy, growing, loving community. And then now we're here at this point where we can actually talk about celebrating the direction we're going, right? Like you've been through all these bad times, and now it's like, here's some good times, and let's celebrate them. And so uh, Jared and I had this desire to do a show around JavaScript for a while. It, we had kind of resisted this camp-based type show where we've always had the change log, and you know, when we went into Go time for the Golang uh, community, we felt like that was our next great step. We just didn't know when or how best to navigate that. And so when you said one day in Slack, you're like, hey, y'all should do this. And we were like, hey, we should do this. And so that was <laughs> like eight months ago, six months ago. I don't know, but yeah, was a while uh, that. that sort of pushed us over the edge. And now we're here at this point. And so people may be listening to this months down the road from now, loving JS Party. We got some awesome music, uh, a fun theme where it's a party every single week. We're celebrating this great community. It's not just simply JavaScript. It's The entire web platform, which is why we kind of asked you some stories about your backstory. But let's talk about the show today. Let's talk about where we're going with it. Uh, What do you love about the idea of JS Party?
1: So I'm really interested in kind of chronicling the web platform expanding. Um beyond be beyond the browser, um you know into IoT, into mobile, into now desktop applications. It's crazy, um so not just extending kind of what the web can do, but also how we use it. Um I mean obviously Node has been a critical component in enabling that to happen, but mm-hmm. um it's an enabler. It's not the story, right? right. Um you know I th- I think that if you're going to talk about IoT. Node is a part of that. Node enables JavaScript to be on IoT, but without Johnny 5, I don't think that anybody would be using it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Um, So that's... that's you know, as important. And, 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 you know, you, th- there's even more to that story as well. I mean, Johnny five wouldn't have been written without, you know, serial port from, from Chris Williams who started JS conf. And I don't think that we would have a community if it weren't for JS conf. <laughs> so, um, there's just, there's, there's a lot going on there. And I think a lot of it is, is somewhat untold. Um, and I I'd, I'd really like to dig as it continues to expand. I really want to dig in deep into that story um so it it took us a while to really figure out you know what hosts would would be good for this Um, or
0: even the format like what was the best way to roll it out and jared i gotta hand it to you man the the original name for this was a bit pretentious js matters we wanted to be like a play on words like where it is javascript matters as in like it does matter but then also talk (laughs) about javascript matters of substance so that was one thing but then you know you're always this uh I don't know how to describe it, but like one day you're like JS party. And as soon as we both, Michael and I, I know for sure it was like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> it Cause it, it, it needed to be something that was playful. We didn't want to like come to the table with this. It, sure. It's a serious podcast. We wanted to come with, you know, this um, whimsical attitude to some degree where it's like, come and have fun. You know, yeah. let's just not sit down and like argue about things. And, Michael's perspective of like, we should have differing opinions. We should have people who come on the show and, and we should have panelists who oppose one another in respectful ways, but can speak and not just simply agree with one another to move the conversation forward. And I think that was a good perspective.
1: Yeah. I think you can really only do that with, with a panel, right? Because you, you get into a rhythm where certain people will, play devil's advocate or or at least try to vocalize what the opposition to your opinion is saying, even if they don't believe it. Right. Um, mm. And you really only get that rapport if you have like kind of a consistent panel. Um, if you're, if you're just interviewing people, you really don't want to take a, a hostile tone with, with yeah. your
0: interviewee. Um, <laughs> well, there's a lot of interview I mean, shows out there too. We've, you know, yeah, yeah. the change law request for commits. Those are very much, even though they're highly conversational, they're very much interview style shows where it's two hosts and a guest. Uh, And where this is a bit different, you mentioned panels. We've got Alex Sexton is one of the panelists, Rachel White. We've got a couple backups we haven't exactly firmed up, but the panelist as we know it now is Michael Rogers, you, Alex Sexton and Rachel White, and all coming from different perspectives, different uh, paths, too. So when we sit down and talk to Alex Sexton and Rachel White about their story like we did with you today, we're going to hear a very different perspective of how they came to where they're at and then obviously be a part of the show
1: yeah i mean alex sexton loves to disagree with me so that <laughs> this is one of the first people that he's I like, yes can of. i do that on a podcast <laughs> yeah. so everyone hears it sweet like <laughs> even if he agrees 99 percent, the first thing he'll say is this one percent where he's like yeah you're full of shit about this <laughs>
0: like, so in the pilot it was kind of funny because in the pilot it, it, uh, we've got to air this at some point since i'm mentioning it but i remember in the pilot that we had done and this was even like three months back so i mean we've been trying to iterate on this idea to some degree for a while now but even in the pilot the very first 10 minutes or 10 seconds i think not 10 minutes 10 <laughs> seconds he's he's already like you know on you in, in that degree you know like so i can yeah. see that that you've got that uh rapport with him
1: yeah yeah he's he's great with that um yeah yeah, he he was the first person that I thought of for that. also he he has a very different perspective than I do. Um he came at it much more from the front end world, much more from building websites and then getting involved in the web platform and then has a, a lot of context around you know the other web platform work that I really haven't been all that involved in. Um, but then, you know when I thought about having the two of us on there, it's it's like we're roughly the same age. We've, you know, been speaking about the same amount of time. Th- that didn't feel like rounded enough for me at all. So um, Immediately started thinking of like who are some of the newer voices with really really different perspectives than we have that we could um, bring on, um, and that was how I thought of Rachel, um, who's amazing, who's who's relatively you know new to the whole scene, but um, you know is at the top of most of our speaking lists for different conferences and stuff like that, and um, yeah, she's just been amazing, and and comes from um, this IoT community that I think me and Alex like know about, but aren't involved enough in to really know what's going on we, we know enough to know that there's a ton of stuff going on there that we have no idea what's going on
0: yeah well with rachel i didn't know her until you introduced me to her and my new question for her every time i see her now is what have you built lately what's the latest robot you've built and she's always <laughs> got something funny and every single time it's got something to do with cats so i
1: that's rachel <laughs> yeah, she's awesome yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean she's also super funny. Like, I mean, Alex and, and her are both actually really funny. So that's great because I'm I'm not super funny. So <laughs> that'll that'll really balance things out and and make it a fun show. If you're that gonna call funny. it JS Party, you need some some funnier people on. Um yeah, I think the the first time I met Rachel um I think it was actually the first time that she spoke at a I guess it you can call it a tech conference, but barely. Uh I, I was doing this thing um, for a while called JSFest that was like a, it was like a week of um, smaller events so like half day events and because you you know you can have an organizer just kind of pick talks and not have to deal with the venue and all the other logistics you can start to really experiment with different formats so one thing that, that um, I, I started to put together before this one that we did in Oakland was this uh, DHTML conference where we it was literally like you know like funny talks that were somewhat, sometimes somewhat fake, sometimes pretending that we're in the past, <laughs> like, re- r- like really kind of self referential humor type stuff. Um, but, uh, I decided to have Jen Schiffer, <laughs> start curating it cause she's, she's just brilliant <laughs> um, and like kind of lives in the satirical world a little bit with, with her yeah. work on C- seats as perverts and stuff like that. And so she found Rachel to give a talk called um, I'm kind of famous on the internet. That <laughs> was just brilliant. Yeah.
0: That's that's a good title from her. I'm sure that's her yeah, humor yeah. too. I, I like that. Uh, she's got such a fun attitude. She's so much yeah. fun to be around. She's so much fun to talk to. And when, when I got to know her better, um,
2: mm-hmm. I totally understood why you thought she'd be a great panelist for the show.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's going to be a fun show. It's going to be really good.
2: So one thing that we're trying to do with this show, um, we've mentioned it's live. We have a set schedule, a Friday's you know, afternoon, depending on where you are in the world. But if you're U.S.-centric, you're either around lunchtime or you're winding up your day. And we can all get together and celebrate you know, JavaScript and the web and really the things that people are doing in uh, the greater JS community. And so that's why we want to have all these different perspectives. We want to be as inclusive as possible. Everybody can come, share their opinions. Uh, There'll be a live chat room. So that'll be a really fun way of interacting with the host. And I'm sure, Michael, as you guys get to become more familiar with it, you'll get better or worse at, you know, responding to to people as the thing goes on. So it's going to be lots of fun. Um, But in light of our desire not to just be like node specific, not to be just like hardcore, you know, like people talking about V8 or, you know, uh, or just talking about front end, you know, for instance, (laughs) new (laughs) APIs that are in the browser, we want to like, make something for all of us front enders css you know design people javascript mm-hmm. hardcore programmers if you touch the web platform and js is any part of your life like this show is for you at least maybe time will tell that is our goal whether or not we achieve that and mm-hmm. so in light of like those desires and what we're trying to pull off in terms of a celebration every week where we can all come together and talk what are some of the things people can expect in terms of topics uh, conversations that we'll be having? What do you expect? Of course, this is all I'm asking you to prognosticate because it'll probably change <laughs> as we go. We're, we are iterating. It'll probably be different mm-hmm. by the time this ships than it is right now. But what mm-hmm. do you expect in terms of topics that people can come and, and listen about?
1: So I, I think that we we will, because we're doing it every week and we're trying to be really consistent, I think that we will pick up things that are topical, right? So if some big you know web news thing goes out or some you know new library ships that everybody's talking about like that will end up being a subject for sure right Mm -hmm. like we will we will kind of follow that and and that that'll be i think that'll be kind of fun um in particular like I, i don't know about you but whenever i see you know people talking about an announcement like that that goes out and i know a lot about it Everybody misses all of the context and all of like the subtlety, and there's a couple of podcasts, like in in the political space and in the economic space, that do a really good job of deconstructing that and and really coming back to like what does this really mean? What's some of the background that's going on here? Um, and so I, I hope that we can actually do that as well with some of these news items. I think that we have enough people and context to to really suss that out, um, mm-hmm. and and I think I also want to try and and this is a really difficult thing to do, but really try to unwind a lot of stuff that's going on in the web and explain it from the ground up. Like we, we start to throw around jargon and like an entire and words for like entire sets of specifications or work that's going on. Like everybody knows what we're talking about. And at the end of the day, most people actually don't know what that means. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, even, even progressive web apps, like, like no, I mean, you know, I still don't I think know what probably, that means. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, and I'm pretty and, sure I and, built and a couple see, of them,
2: but I don't know what they,
1: know what it means. Right. And like, you'll see people, you know, like Nolan Lawson does this sometimes. Uh, Mariko does an amazing job of this. Um, she's she's a programmer in, in New York. Um, but she will, you know, take a word or a subject that people throw around a lot that um, she's noticed other newer people are kind of afraid to ask what that means. And she'll... Dig into the entire history of it and explain it, kind of from the ground up for for people that don't know what's going on. And that turns out to be pretty much everybody. <laughs> um, like when Nolan Lawson wrote that piece on progressive web apps, I think that everybody went, "Oh God, finally, I can stop pretending like I know what this means." <laughs> like, right. there's actually this explainer now, um, and so I, I I really want us to try to do that as well. So you know, when we bring up a news item about you know some topic in some area, we actually unwind it enough to go like, "Well." we'll let's back up like how did this start you know what does this actually mean da, da, da. you can teach all of us how WebRTC works uh, i don't i don't know if you can explain that in a podcast <laughs> um it's it's incredibly yeah, yeah it it is it is one of the more overly complicated parts of the web <laughs> required. uh yeah maybe i don't know Lightboard. i think that we could yeah i i think that we could we could get in we could probably get into some of that i think that i could explain parts of that I think that you just have to, you have to talk about the data part and the media part kind of separately. Um, that's the difficult bit. Mm. Well, don't don't start teaching us now or we'll never get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: All right. So who should listen to this show? Like if, if someone's listening to this right now, what kind of thing are they doing? What, what role do they play? I know you mentioned web platform, but you know, that's one of those jargons you mentioned that you may assume I'm part of that or I'm not part of that. Is it simply I build websites? So I listen to this podcast. Who is the best fit for the kind of thing we're doing here.
1: I think that if you if you work on the web, if you if you use web technologies to build anything, um, you know, if you whether CSS or JavaScript or anything, if you work on IoT, on serverless, on on any of that, I mean, we're gonna get into all those subjects. And you know, if we aren't doing enough job of Unwinding these topics so that everybody you know is on the same page, um, give us that feedback and and we will continue to to you know work to do a better job to to unwind that enough so that everybody can understand it because especially with the with the breadth of the topics that we're that we're talking about, even if you you know really understood one thing that we wouldn't talk about, you wouldn't understand the next. I mean you're not going to have you know the deep low, low level network knowledge and the you know the CSS knowledge, right so I think that um, you know, if we're not doing a good enough job of explaining it, just let us know and we will continue to get better at that and continue to actively unwind this stuff so that everybody working on the web um, can really learn more about this, understand more of this. Um, and as all of these new news items and frameworks and blah, blah, blah come out, um, I really hope that we can kind of share more of what the quote unquote insiders know about this, Mm -hmm. um, with, with the general public as well. Cause there's, there's just, I mean, having, having been in this for so long, you really forget, um, how much insider knowledge there is around all of this, that, that is required for, you know, your context, um, if you're going to be involved.
0: Well, Jared mentioned earlier about, uh, a live chat room, that live chat room is actually Slack and we're piggybacking off of some new things we're changing about changelog community we used to charge for accessing changelog community it felt so weird i don't know about you but man why was it all things open and i was sharing just some new stuff that we had done this is october when we rebranded the new site mm-hmm. all that good stuff i was trying to get people to you know desire to be a part of our community and and be involved and every time it I was telling people it was like 20 bucks a year. It just felt weird. Like, sure. Join the community, but you got to pay. Well, now it's free. We're opening it wide up. You get access to our Slack community. And part of that Slack community is the GS party channel live. Every Friday, we'll do this show and to get access to Slack while you're listening live, head to change slash community. And back to what you said, Michael, by iteration, like I think it's going to be hard not to iterate this thing to where the community desires it to go is because they're going to be directly involved if they choose to be. Mm-hmm. And you know, that channel. I'm sure will be pretty active. I'm sure we'll have lots of feedback readily available every single week about what we're doing, what topics we're talking about. And I'm sure that uh, we'll do things around opening it up. So where that the community can actually participate in topic suggestion and things like that. So we very much want this to be, in my opinion, something that's like for the community. You know, and, mm-hmm. and if it doesn't serve that, then we're missing the mark on what we're trying to do here, because you can't celebrate unless you got some people with you. Right. Right. I agree. At least that's, you know, last time I've been to a party, it wasn't just me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but to reiterate, live every Friday, if you're on the Pacific Coast, West Coast, noon, if you're on Eastern, it's 3 p.m. Uh, it will be live at changelaw.com live. We're on Twitter. Our Twitter looks jacked up right now. So if you go there, rate this very second late, literally this second as we're recording this, it's jacked up, but it's jspartyfm FM on Twitter. Uh, we also will be at changelaw.com slash jsparty. You can subscribe in iTunes. Any other thing you could think of RSS, you can listen online. Uh, you can listen live, which is what we encourage people to do because that's where the fun is at. And, uh, We've got some awesome music from Breakmaster Cylinder. We've worked so hard with Breakmaster to get this music to be true, true party. You know, Uh, any any feedback y'all want to share about your thoughts on this music? Can we can we listen to it right now? Oh, yeah. Can you can
1: you? uh, Yes. Okay. so play it and then then we'll give some feedback.
0: Give me a second. (laughs) Let me set this up.
2: All right. Here we go. I know. It gets funky too.
1: That's awesome. I'm so pumped. I'm like actually yeah. disappointed that now I don't get to do an episode of jazz party. <laughs> I know. Right. It's like, like it's I'm like getting me in right the now. mood. Yes.
0: Well, the cool thing too, is we're actually setting up a soundboard. So when we have this show going on, we can actually play that music live for everyone. And uh, one thing we talked about doing, which is sort of unplanned for this, you know, meet Michael conversation was taking questions from the community uh, especially if they're audio versions and actually having them on the show, you know, so that soundboard yeah. might actually help us, uh, you know, take some audio submitted questions and actually play that audio live for everyone, and then include it obviously in the produce show that goes out on the on the podcast feed. So that's awesome. We played the full track for you, so the listeners listen to this. That was the full track. It's a minute forty five seconds long. I hope you love it. We put a lot of work into this. The album art was meant to show you that this is truly a party, a disco ball. You can't not party without a <laughs> disco ball. Okay. You have to have a disco ball or it's not a party or a party worth that. being at. <laughs> All right, Michael, anything else you want to share with, uh, with the listeners who have either brand new to this show as we're launching it or coming to this first episode months down the road, catching up. Hmm. Good question.
1: um, no, no, no. I can't, I can't think of anything Nothing. actually. No, no. I, just hope I mean, that our, welcome to the party. Yeah. Welcome <laughs> yeah. to the party for sure.
0: I just hope that our ideas today are true three months from now,
1: you know? Yeah. I think that we're, we're going to just kind of follow where, where people want us to go. And, and I think that we, we should also, you know, not be afraid to try some stuff out. I mean, in, in the planning for, for the show, we, we tried a lot of stuff that didn't quite work. You know, it wasn't, it was a good idea, but it wasn't quite there or ready or whatever. Um, I even wrote a bunch of custom code to play around with some ideas. And then, and then once you're, once you're really using it, it's like, ah, oh, this, this is like 90% there, but not, not enough to really use and rely upon. Mm. So, yeah, I, I like, you know, the idea of having lots of different modes of engagement. It'd be great to set up some kind of uh, some audio voicemail service or something where we can just mm-hmm. get listener asked questions that we then ask on the air. That'd be great.
0: There's two ways that can happen, actually. So we actually have one way, which which is probably the easiest way. It may not be the long-term preferred way, but you can call 888-974-2454, which is actually 888-974-CHLG for change log. So you can call that and leave us a voicemail. We use Grasshopper for our virtual voicemail system and stuff like that. So you can call there and just leave a message and we get MP3s dumped to us, although they are lower quality. Or you can simply just open up QuickTime or something and just record something and then Email it to somebody or drop it on Dropbox and tweet us or whatever, and we'll grab those. We'll find a more formalized way for it in the future. But if you're listening to this and you want a way, that's a good way to start, at least. And uh, we'll go from there. Well, in in lieu of getting this thing wrapped up, we've got uh, live every Friday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. ChangeLaw.com slash live. Follow JSPartyFM on Twitter or also head to ChangeLaw.com slash JSParty subscribe. Don't miss a show. And, uh, Michael, this is fun. Thank you for, thank you for doing this, man. Yeah. Anytime. Alright, that was the first of the Meet the Host episodes here on JS Party. Michael Rogers taking the first show. Next up is Alex Sexton. And after that, Rachel White. Hope you love this show we're gonna produce here. Once again, Changelaw.com slash JSParty. Subscribe. Don't miss a show. Also head to changelaw.com slash community. Sign up, get access to Slack, and make sure you're in the JS Party channel every Friday when we do the show live. Once again, Changelaw.com slash community, and thanks for listening.